left fielders. Welcome to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. Our community is focused on networking and education to help people invest passively and think differently. Let's go. We're forecasting like 7x net returns at a 2025 exit, which is something that can't be achieved with only a piece of land because you can't scale it like you would a business. So owning the processing facilities, all the sales channels, we believe that our model is far superior from the title land ownership model that you're mentioning. Since you are here listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you're investing with a group of people. Whether you're investing with family or friends or like-minded people in the left field investors community, group investing is a strategy that can get you into more deals, help you diversify, and go beyond what you can achieve by yourself. Before TribeVest came along, it was difficult to overcome all the hurdles associated with group investing. It was basically a strategy reserved for the wealthy. Not anymore. Now, TribeVest helps your group with everything from incorporation, collaboration, banking, and equity management tools all in a single place so you can focus on building wealth with the people you know, like, and trust. I'm using TribeVest for all five, now six, of my investor tribes. It's a game changer. Check them out at TribeVest.com. You are listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast, powered by TribeVest. The mission of Left Field Investors is to build a community of like-minded individuals interested in creating financial freedom through passively investing in real assets that generate real cash flow. In this podcast, Jim Piper will interview passive investors, syndicators, and others who will share their journey with a focus on helping the passive real estate investor learn and become part of the Left Field community. Hi, I'm Kenny Wolf. You're listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field Podcast. Really pleased today to have Josh Ziegelbaum with us. He is the Director of Investor Relations at the Legacy Group, an alternative asset manager targeting profitable investment opportunities with high social and environmental impact in Latin America. So I'm really excited to understand what all that means. So Josh, welcome to Passive Investing from Left Field Podcast. Jim, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. You're welcome. And so the way we usually start here is we just kind of like to get your journey, where you came from, how you got into finance and how you got into uh, Latin American assets for sure. <laughs> Be happy to walk you through that. This is one of the questions I get pretty often with our investors. So I'm sure. Let me start at the beginning. So I'm from New Jersey. I was born and raised there. My folks are from New York City. They moved out to the suburbs to raise my sister and I. I studied economics at Rutgers University. I started working in more traditional financial services at a college. I was working at Northwestern Mutual, did a bit of a stint there, moved on to Wells Fargo, kind of climbed the corporate ranks over about six years, ended up as a private banker, managing a book of high net worth clients in central New Jersey. And then I had an opportunity to do a lateral, come down to Miami Beach, hit the same role, but with a kind of, I would call it better investor base or better client base in terms of that line of business. So my wife and I, about three years ago, we moved down pre-COVID from the Northeast down to Florida. I moved into Broward County, not too far from Miami. I was going to Miami Beach, uh, built up a nice book down here. I was working with the financial advisor in my office, doing full balance sheet banking on credit, on investments. I was working with public securities at the time. I was Series 7 licensed, ETS, mutual funds, 
kind of like your black and white stuff that makes up most investors' portfolio. But um, I enjoyed it. While I was working at Wells Fargo, I started getting involved on the personal side in real estate investing. I turned a property in New Jersey, took that, came down here, invested in another deal. So I was kind of doing that on the side. I was always interested in passive investing, even though while I was working my corporate life. And alternative investments always appealed to me. So a couple of years ago, I had the chance to go down to Columbia, meet some guys that are doing some very interesting things down there. Uh, the two partners I work with today, Cole Shepard and Adam Jason. And uh, I had a chance to first be a vice president of business development, doing capital raising for different funds that the company was working on. And that transitioned over into a director role where I head up investor relations now at Legacy Group. We focus on alternative investments in Colombia. Our flagship portfolio company is Green Coffee Company, which we could dive into later. But we acquire farmland about two to three hours outside of Medellin. We, we're buying up farms, we're consolidating infrastructure, and then we sell farm direct coffee down the value chain. We've opened up this project for investment for U.S. investors. We have a U.S. setup where investors are buying common equity in the holding company. And then we control all the operations and all of the management decisions on behalf of our passive LPs or our passive investors. It's kind of uh, how I got there and what we're doing at a higher level at Legacy Group. Yeah, that, that's super interesting. I'd like to know. So you kind of had a financial services, obviously, and then all of a sudden you you went into alternatives. So talk a little bit about what was the impetus for that. I mean, I'm a former financial advisor and you know, late in my career, I, I switched over to alternatives. I learned enough about finance after I, th I thought I knew everything. <laughs> then I learned when I was investing in real estate, there's a whole new world out there. And actually, if you learn finance, buying assets makes more sense than buying paper, in my opinion. But what was the thing that got you going and deciding, hey, maybe I'm going to go into this alternative space? Sure. I just kind of noticed like guys working at competitor banks, people, my counterparts in different areas, we all had similar products and it's all 60-40 balanced portfolios. We tell the clients things to make them feel comfortable. But at the end of the day, we had limited control of the performance of the portfolios, right? And it's just, you have conversations to put people at ease, but I didn't feel like I was doing anything special or groundbreaking or different from what the competitors were offering. So when I came across uh, Legacy Group and Green Coffee Company, like it really stood out to me. And one, looking at the returns uh, being way higher than the averages you see, 7 to 10% in the US equity markets. Uh, in our latest round, we were forecasting 48% IRRs for, for our investors. So first off, those returns made me excited. Then also the impact that we're leaving in the community in which we operate that I get to see firsthand, going out to the farm, seeing the assets with my own two eyes, seeing how we're making a difference with the employees and the local community. It resonates a lot more than working with paper assets where you're kind of behind a screen, you wake up a day like today, there's a geopolitical nightmare happening, portfolios down, you don't have control over that. Do you buy or you sell? With alternatives, I like the fact that there is no daily liquidity for investors in certain cases. It depends in uh, private equity. I mean, um, in certain alternatives, there is. But I like that. I gravitated to it um, being more active and providing truly unique passive investment opportunities for people. It made me much more excited than uh, the cut and dry portfolios that we were offering at the bank. I completely get that. And, and especially, as you said, when the markets, you know, you can pick and invest in Apple, and Apple could have the best year they've ever had, but you have a day like today, where, as you said, geopolitics gets in the way, and everybody's asset prices are going down because 
you just go with the market and that doesn't happen as in alternatives as much. But I'd like to dig in a little bit on the impact investing because that's really interesting to me. Obviously, when you, you say the IRR numbers in the 40s, everyone's ears are going to perk up and that's kind of cool. But I also like having a positive environmental and social impact and to make money at the same time. So can you talk about that? You're investing in assets that have a social impact, have a positive environmental impact and make money. How do you do that? What is that? What does that look like? Sure. We're building soon to be the largest producer of coffee in the country of Colombia. And we have a goal of taking it public in the United States. We have a target year of 2025 for that. The public markets look at companies with scrutiny in the way in which they operate, the way in which they treat their employees. And we've noticed in, in Colombia, we are absolutely disrupting the industry. The traditional way in which people are treated, I mean, it's informal employment. People are paid cash. If they get hurt, they're put on the side of the road. It's just the way that things are, have been done traditionally. So when you tell people like, oh, well, we're paying formal employee benefits, time off, we pay them into a bank account, we help people build credit, we give them fair working conditions. Those sound like normal things here in the US, but in certain underdeveloped markets, that's not the case. As we pivot in the years to come, it would not look good if it arose that we weren't treating people correctly and doing the right thing. Um, that's one thing. And then doing the right thing is good, right? <laughs> it's, it, because uh, besides how markets reward you, I want to sleep easy at night. We want our investors to sleep easy at night, knowing that you could make money and also do right in the communities in which you operate. I mentioned a few of the things we're doing in terms of the, the employment. On the environmental side, we're using a planting mechanisms through an Elipot system that uses biodegradable pods instead of plastic bags. So we're eliminating tons and tons of plastics that would become waste. We use limited pesticides. We spray the, the coffee trees at the base instead of crop dusting. So certain things to help the environment. But what really resonates with me is the social impact. The people in the community, when you go there and you see the farms, like they're so grateful for the work that they're doing. They're so excited for the trajectory of the business. Like it almost gives you goosebumps going out there and see, feeling the vibes and the impact firsthand. So while it's nice seeing it in a presentation, like a deck or something, or talking about it, when you go out and you see people working and this is their livelihood, you want to do right by them. And our investors get behind that. Obviously, we all want to make money, but we believe at Legacy Group that you could make money, but also do right at the same time. And then as you carry businesses forward, you could even be rewarded further for the work that you're doing. We're seeing a lot of that in the public market space. Interesting. I invested in a, in a coffee farm in Panama. I don't know if they're doing it similar, but what they did is they're buying farms from the operators and then they're getting economies of scale. They're modernizing, they're using better equipment. And that's how they are impacting the returns because they're buying up a bunch of small farms and then you have economies of scale. Is that also how you guys are doing it? Or are you buying land and then putting the coffee farms on it? Or are they already existing farms and you're just kind of upgrading them? Yeah, we're generally buying existing coffee farmland. And then we're doing value-add investing. We're improving the efficiency of the farming operations. We're planting more trees. We're building out infrastructure in order to process the cherries. And we're making a consolidated coffee farming operation. So we're not, but generally we do that by buying existing coffee farmland and then we further develop it. You had said that the investment is in the company rather than in the plots of farms. So the, the way I've seen it before, again, I, I only have one thing to compare it to. And that's part of when we're talking about these new 
type of asset classes that we're, you know, we're normally investing in multifamily, self-storage, you know, all in the US, that kind of stuff. So something like this, the only thing we can do is compare it to something we know. And on this other thing that I, I would actually get title to a plot of land where they're planting coffee. And then my returns come from everybody's plots of land getting dumped in a pile or not in a pile, but the, the coffee getting, we're getting the results from the entire farm, although I only own a little piece of it. But I think you mentioned that we would own, instead of a syndication, it's you're owning part of the company. Is that correct? Investors are owning common equity as it relates to Green Coffee Company. Common equity and Green Coffee Company holdings. It's a, it's a Delaware holding company. And then that holding company owns all of the assets in Colombia. So all of the titled ownership of the farmland in Colombia is owned by our operating subsidiaries, all the equipment, all the rights to the cash flows. And the parent company here in the US, all those assets flow up to it. So as an investor in Green Coffee Company, you're a shareholder in the entire operation, including the farmland. You don't own one plot or, or have the right to the cash flow from that one plot. You have the upside from the entire business. And you also own indirectly, of course, the, the real assets behind it. We believe that the titled land deals that you're referring to have very limited upside. The only end buyer would be another retail investor. It's not something that you could scale an IPO. You can't do a massive exit. I'm not saying it can't produce cash flow, which shows investments are meant for. But we're forecasting like 7x net returns at a 2025 exit, which is something that can't be achieved with only a piece of land because you can't scale it like you would a business. So owning the processing facilities, all the sales channels, we believe that our model is far superior from the titled land ownership model that you're mentioning. That sounds like it makes sense to me. I mean, I haven't... uh... This was one of my earlier investments, and it's not one of my best performing <laughs> investments. I'll I'll say that. So, how are the um, returns during the hold? So, if I was to buy in today, am I getting cash flow? Because that's the other thing. Again, I'm only comparing it to the other uh, plot of land thing because that's the only other thing I know. And that, you know, they put the trees on there, and now I'm kind of sitting twiddling my thumbs, waiting for the for the coffee to come. And I knew that. I knew it was like a, you know, I compare that to a development deal in multifamily where you got to start from scratch. So is that where we're doing here? We're going to get, are there monthly returns? Is there cash flow or is this more like a development play? There is cash flow. It would be in the form of annual dividends. So as it's an operating business, we would close the books at the end of the calendar year, uh, determine net income and profitability and the distribution amount. And then based on your ownership in the company, you would get a percentage of the overall distribution. It would be once annually. We're forecasting as of our most recent investor presentation, the Series B round, which just ended, we're forecasting 8% average dividends throughout the holding period. And really the bulk of the IRRs or total return would be realized at exit through sale of the business or more preferably an IPO in US public markets. So this is different from the typical, and again, we're talking, my audience is typically passive investors who invest in mostly U.S. real estate asset classes. So you just said a Series B. So this doesn't sound like a syndication to me, which doesn't make it bad. It just sounds like we're actually investing in a company, right? So is it a syndication or is there, it's not a 506B or 506C, is it, is it something different? It's a 506C, a Reg D 506C, open for accredited investors. I would classify it as a syndication, but instead of syndicating the capital and buying an apartment building in the US, we're syndicating the capital into 
the business and then we're deploying it to buy farmland and infrastructure and grow an operating business. So we're giving passive LPs such as your or passive investors direct access to real estate in another market, Colombia, which we believe is the best place to invest in Latin America today. And tremendous upside through the cash flow from the coffee. Obviously, there's real assets. Commodity prices have been through the roof lately. So our investors are benefiting from that. Then they also can benefit from the economies of scale as we carry the business forward. So I would call it a syndicated model. Most of the, our guys that are invested are also invested in syndicated real estate projects. I have this conversation regularly on our investor calls. Today, we have 230 investors across several funding rounds. I think half of them invest in the syndicated real estate deals in the US that you're mentioning from the chats that I'm having. And guys love what we're doing because it diversifies them away from that. Not that I'm not a proponent of multifamily. I think it's great. It's obviously performed well over the years, but it's a relatively crowded trade if you look at it today. The returns are getting compressed. Cap rates are getting compressed. There's still great operators out there that can deliver uh, alpha, but in our eyes, diversification makes sense into other asset classes, into other markets, and investors can easily wrap our head, wrap their heads around what we're doing because it's structured in a similar way to those syndicated investments that you mentioned. Hey, Leftfielders, this is Julian McClurkin from TribeVest. I recently had the pleasure of sitting down with Jim Pfeiffer for a masterclass. I learned so much from passive investing to real estate syndications to how you can diversify your portfolio with a tribe. I also learned how this form of passive investing was only available to the wealthy until recently. If I learned a lot, you will too. Go to leftfieldinvestors.com and check out the masterclass button at the top or look up TribeVest on YouTube. I'll see you there. When I say different, that doesn't mean bad. It's just trying to understand when I get into something new like this, I really want to understand and compare it to what I know. I completely agree with diversification. You know, we, we like to think you diversify by asset class, by sponsor, and by market, right? By geography. So this kind of hits all three of those. But you mentioned you think Colombia is one of the best places to invest. So why Colombia? What makes that different than Panama or even, you know, we had a, a guest recently who was talking about U.S. farmland. So why is it better in Colombia than in the U.S.? And why is it better in Colombia than in Panama or Nicaragua or anywhere else in, the, in Latin America? Sure. We actually just did a webinar on this this week on the top 10 reasons why to invest in Colombia. Oh, perfect. Maybe you can send me that link. Yeah. <laughs> the top reasons why we believe Colombia is the number one place in Latin America is the full oh, time. Great. But uh, we have it on our YouTube channel. I'll be sure to send you a link after this and we could put it in the show notes. Kind of the highlights, I would say... One would be the human capital. The human capital is very sophisticated and highly qualified. There's a diverse, young, technologically savvy population, which we think bodes well for a lot of industries. There's a tremendous amount of capital flowing into Latin America as a whole right now. SoftBank has allocated $8 billion across two funds in the last several years to LATAM specifically. Colombia has had a big uptick itself in venture capital activity. We see a lot of guys, intelligent people in Medellin, where we operate out of, that's more of the hub for technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship. The larger corporate multinationals would more so be in Bogota. But we're kind of seeing what is becoming a birth of a venture capital hub in LATAM or even in Medellin more specifically. A lot of people are looking at the market 
on the exchange rate, the dollar versus the Colombian peso. You see this with a lot of LATAM countries over the last decade, but the dollar versus the Colombian peso has more than doubled to sub 2,000 to 1 to 4,000 to 1. So all else equal, investors today could buy twice as many assets there per dollar than they were less than 10 years ago. And then guess what? Coffee is sold in dollars. <laughs> it's, a, it's a commodity that's sold in dollars on a global basis, unless we're selling it in, in Colombia. It's a great underserved market. We think that we're early in the rush of capital to the region. We see money flowing to LATAM. We see it flowing to Colombia. The human capital is one. Colombia is also the longest running democracy in Latin America. It's very capitalistic and open for business. Those are kind of the main points, I would say, why we're bullish on Colombia. How has COVID been over there? And, and are there supply chain issues like we're having here? I know the vaccination rates are lower there. Is that going to be an issue, a problem, or, or are they coping with it? So as it relates to coffee and green coffee company, coffee is the national product of the country. Operations did not stop at all due to COVID. Like while parts of the cities shut down with lockdowns and such, the coffee business moved on <laughs> because it's a necessity, so to speak. So there's definitely some tailwinds from COVID. There was, I'd say, a lower vaccination rate that you would say, but a lot of herd immunity now that we're seeing businesses back to normal. I wouldn't say that it's more affected than the U.S. as we stand today in terms of COVID. There's still, of course, uncertainty with that, but we're not seeing our business affected I would say in a positive way, it has been with the surge in commodity prices <laughs> after COVID surge. But yeah, there, there's definitely could be some headwinds with, with COVID and, and we have our finger on the pulse, of course. Okay. I'm a passive investor, right? And when I meet a new sponsor, typically I, I like to know someone that has invested with them already, but that doesn't exclude someone from my analysis. But how do I vet a sponsor like you? What questions should I ask? How do we confirm that you know, you guys are an expert in this asset class. And how do we figure all this out? Because it's overseas, which I don't do much of. It's coffee, which I did poorly and on one and I, I don't do much of. So it's all these new things, but it sounds exciting. I like the social impact. I like the environmental impact. I like IRRs in the 40s. I like big upside. So how do I figure out if this is a good sponsor for me to put some capital into? Sure. If you look at the rest of our management team, I gave you my background. Our founding partner, Cole Shepard, has long career in M&A. He's worked across Asia in different markets, and he identified some great opportunities early on in Colombia, in coffee uh, specifically. He's done a great job of executing on the mergers and all the acquisitions, I would say, that we've been making. Um, he was formerly a, a CPA before moving down originally from New York. Our other partner, Adam Jason, had a full career as a corporate lawyer, was working for some of the largest law firms in the country here in the US, also from the Northeast. The guys have been operating down in Colombia for the last seven years on the ground, and they know the market incredibly well. They're locals now, we can call it. And we're taking sophisticated developing world practices and we're applying them in the market there and we're disrupting industries. I would encourage someone that wants to vet us to look at our website, look at our bios, request our offering docs. We have more detailed bios on the rest of the management team there. One of our senior advisors, Chris Kelly, he's a partner at Jones Day. It's one of the largest law firms here in the country. Been repeatedly named as one of the leading lawyers for business in the US. 
So I think we have, you want to look at the management team, of course, and kind of take a dive into their career, see things that they've done. In our case, I gave you a little bit of a highlight. And then as far as asking questions, I would always look through all the docs and, and, then, I start, and then ask a bunch of questions because a lot of them are answered through the presentations in terms of like the business strategy and stuff. I would ask for investor referrals. I know I can't give them on this call, but that's a good one. We're always happy to connect people with people who have participated in Legacy Group's projects to let them know their experience. We also host, for people who are invested, we host um, investor trips. We bring you down to Medellin. We show you the farms firsthand. We do that a few times a year. So there's different ways that you can do it. I would just ask people about their background, different things that they've done, and ask for referrals, look online. Definitely subscribe to our newsletter because it takes time to get comfortable with people. So we keep guys updated once or twice a week with fresh content through our newsletter. That's a great way that people get comfortable. I would encourage you to do that. Ask us about us. Subscribe to our newsletter. (laughs) Yeah. And then to dig it a little bit deeper, and this is a similar question... We do standard asset classes typically. So aside from vetting the sponsor and the people, how do I analyze the deal? How do I figure out, is the coffee farm going to be successful? How old are the coffee trees? Is that important? What types of soil? All that stuff that I don't know anything about. How do I get comfortable analyzing the farm aspect of it? Sure. So the President who we and CEO who we've appointed at Green Coffee Company, it's Boris Woolner. He has 25 years plus of Colombian agriculture experience across the flour industry, which is the most sophisticated in Colombia. Most sophisticated farming operations are in the flour industry and then also in coffee. And he brings a tremendous amount of experience and expertise. If you see the videos or pictures of the infrastructure that we're developing, the processing facilities, it'll blow your mind. We have the most advanced coffee processing facility in Colombia, arguably the world. We've brought in a fully automated system from start to finish, and we inaugurated it in October. So we have plenty of videos and photos we could share on that, as well as photos from the farm. So you could see the plants and everything and and what we're doing. We've hired a agronomist. Our chief agronomist is Marino Restrepo. He was previously the chief agronomist for Starbucks Colombia prior to joining us. So he manages the health and life of the trees and oversees that component. We have detailed things in our presentations kind of about the life of the plants and our strategy, number of trees and all those things. Those are the main things in terms of evaluating. Is most of the coffee exported to the U.S. or there, is it all around the world? Does some of it stay in Colombia? What's, what's the, uh, where do you sell it? Yeah. So we have two primary sales channels. One would be the domestic market in Colombia, where we sell to collective groups and we um, could unload unlimited amounts of coffee through in Colombia domestically. There's a bit more margin going outside of the country. So we export to the United States, to Europe, Asia, all over the world. Some of our buyers are the largest trading houses in the world, such as Sucafina and SKN. We sell a processed specialty coffee unroasted. That's the business model as of today. We do have um, some of our coffee that's roasted on Amazon for our investors and such. But the business model today would be processed wholesale coffee globally in and out of Colombia. Okay. Looking at your website, it shows a portfolio of companies that you've purchased or operated in the past. So can you talk about Legacy Group? Because we're not investing in Legacy Group, right? We're investing in the green coffee part of it. So are there other opportunities? I noticed you sold some companies, you're buying some companies. So are there other investment opportunities outside of coffee? 
Absolutely. So a major focus of ours is bringing new, unique investment opportunities to the market and providing those to our investor base and giving them access through Legacy Group, of course. They would be invested in the portfolio companies. That's correct. Not in Legacy Group. We're the asset manager for those portfolio companies. We have another investment that we've made recently in the last several years, which our investors are excited about. The company's name is Polygonus. You can see it on our website. We haven't opened it for outside investment. We placed capital with them several years ago. It's grown massively. They're doing $6 million a year in revenue today. They do 3D art and design. It's a tech company based in the city of Medellin, in the financial district. They do 3D art and design, e-learning. They design characters and things for digital productions, amongst other things. That company has grown massively. We're looking to potentially open that up for our investors at a point. They've been self-sustainable on their own revenue and haven't needed outside capital since the investment we made, but it's been a very successful one for us. We're continuing to have conversations with entrepreneurs and business owners who are looking to partner with Legacy Group and our investor base in order to grow their businesses. So what we do, we either start something from the ground up like we did with Green Coffee, or we find people that we believe in, who we think are disrupting industries, and we invest in them like we did with Polygonus. So we're, ag- we're seeing market disrupting opportunities in agriculture, real estate, technology, fintech, just to name a few. And our goal is to bring more of those opportunities to our investors. We have a preferred list that we just created recently where we are gathering indications from people in terms of what industries they might want to invest in over the next year or so. And then we're tailoring our conversations with operators based on those indications. So if any of you guys who are listening to this, if some of this resonates with you, definitely reach out to us and we'll put you on our preferred list for any future opportunities. When a sponsor, and again, I'm going back to what our community typically does, like there's a company that does multifamily and they decide to get into self-storage or uh, the one, someone does single family home turnkey and they decide to get into um, office. You know, I'm always a little bit leery because your expertise might not transfer. So I noticed when you guys started coffee, you hired someone who'd been doing it for 25 years. So you bought the expertise. It seems like the legacy group is buying operating companies or wants to buy operating companies and offer those as investment opportunities for people like us. So is your plan to always hire also the experience with that? And so you guys are kind of just, I would say, managing the operating companies, but the operating companies are managing their own business. Is that kind of how it operates? That's somewhat accurate. We do hire the key management team at the portfolio company levels. Like I don't work for a green coffee company, but they all report up to us, right? So um, we're sort of like the hierarchy. We sit on the board. So Cole and Adam, who I mentioned, they're both board members of Green Coffee Company. We're heavily involved in the business. We do it full time. We spend almost all of our time right now on the business. But we do bring in key talent as needed in certain areas. But internally, we do things like on accounting, legal, and asset management, things that we can source on our own. But you're right. Like if we're not going to uh, appoint ourselves as a CEO of a fintech company, you know, we're going to bring in the best talent, make sure it's the best talent and carefully vet them. And then we manage them on behalf of our passive investors. And then your investment criteria talk about measurable impact. So when you find a new investment or a new company, is it always a social or environmental impact? Is there always a sense of we're going to do good for the 
environment or the community and make money? Is that kind of, it seems like that's kind of in your ethos a little bit. Is that correct? I would say so. Yes, that's definitely correct, Jim. If you look at the two companies that we're talking about here, Polygonus making an impact in their community, they're uplifting people through education. They have an academy to teach people how to do the digital art and design that I mentioned. And they teach people all over Latin America how to do that type of work. And they're uplifting the community there. Uh, I already mentioned the things at Green Coffee Company around the community in which we're uplifting. So that, that's definitely something that's important to us and our investors. And as we diligence new opportunities, that will be one of the criteria. I like that approach where obviously we're in this to make money, to build wealth. But if you can do that and at the same time serve the community you're in and do positive things for the environment, I think that's super important. So the last question I always ask is, what is a great podcast that you listen to? It can be real estate related, coffee related, or just however you want to do it. And you can mention a couple if, if you're really into podcasts, but can you give us one or two? Yeah, the Bigger Pockets podcast, which I'm sure a lot of your uh, listeners listen to. It's a, that's yep, a great, absolutely. The Justin Donald podcast. That's someone we, I know a little bit more personally, but Justin's a great guy and has done some good work. Those are two good ones for sure. So if listeners want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Sure. You can email us investor.relations at legacy-group.co or you can visit us on our website, www.legacy-group.co. So listen, this is really interesting. I always like to learn about new asset classes in different countries, even that, that's super interesting to me. So thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much, Jim. And for your listeners, you know, get in touch with us, follow us on social, subscribe to our newsletter. Very much looking forward to hopefully uh, having conversations with you all. Excellent. Sounds great. Thank you. We would like to introduce one of our trusted partners, Ashcroft Capital, to the left field investors community. At Ashcroft, they focus on capital preservation while still having upside potential through their value add funds. They are proud to announce their second fund. The Ashcroft Value Add Fund 2 is now open to investors. The Ashcroft Value Add Fund 2 has been created with one singular purpose in mind, to reduce risk to investors. The Ashcroft Value Add Fund 2 will continue to use the same conservative business plan Ashcroft was founded with, acquiring quality multifamily assets and offering value add opportunity in strong performing markets throughout the country. To learn more about Ashcroft Capital's investment criteria or about the markets and properties they are targeting, please download their latest AVAF2 Frequently Asked Questions Guide at ashcroftcapital.com slash left field. That's ashcroftcapital.com slash left field. This is another journey on my quest for uh, constant shiny objects to chase. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I think looking for new investment opportunities, new asset classes, new markets, as long as you do it carefully, you're just expanding your opportunities. So I, I enjoyed that conversation with Josh. You know, like I said, something different. It's a different asset class. It's a different approach, right? You're buying a company rather than than just the land. And the co coffee deal I'm in, you know, I bought a plot of land. And so I get the returns from the entire farm, not just my plot of land. But I don't get all of the benefits of owning the actual company. So there's not as much upside as Josh talked about. So I like the upside on this. That's pretty interesting. 
going public, you get a little bit of buy a real asset that produces cash flow. It goes public, then you can sell it and you've made your money. So that, that's pretty good. And making money, I always love that. But I, I like the uh, positive social impact, positive environmental impact. If you can do good in your investment and make money, man, that's hitting both the things that I like. So I, I like that opportunity. I always get nervous when it's a new asset class, right? Because as he said, they're buying companies, different companies. Now they're into coffee, but before it was other things and, and you can't have expertise in everything. So what they're doing is they're basically a, an operating company or a general a holding company and they're buying operating companies. So in this case, they hired a guy who's had 25 years in Colombian coffee and he's the president of their coffee company. So they don't have to be the experts. They can learn about coffee and I'm sure they, you know, they live down there. They, they know what they're doing. But the key is you have somebody who's 25 years in and that gives me some comfort in thinking, okay, if I choose to invest in this, at least the show's being run by someone who knows what they're doing, presumably. So for me, as I kind of talked to Josh about, the way I find sponsors now is to be referred to them by somebody that I know, like, and trust who's already invested with them. For me personally, with this group, that isn't the case. Now, that doesn't mean I won't invest with them. It just means it's going to be slow. And I talked to Josh after the call, and I said, look, I, I may end up investing, but it's not going to be this month, and it's not going to be next month. It might be a year from now. I need to get to know you. I'm going to read his newsletter when it comes out. I'm going to follow them, see what they're doing, and then get to know them better. And then I'll make my investment decision after time has passed and I've seen some results and just gotten to know them a little bit better. And that's my new approach rather than uh, the first coffee farm I bought. I met a guy at a, at a conference and he said, I'm investing in coffee. And I said, oh, here's my money. And uh, I found better ways to do things now. I'm learning. And that's why I love doing this podcast because I certainly learned so much. It's why I love talking to the, uh, the people in our community because I learned a lot more from them than they learned from me. So I'm really appreciative of everybody in our community from the person that's just getting into their first deal to the person that's in a hundred deals. Everyone has something to share and something to learn. So I appreciate that. And that's all for today. We'll see you guys next time in the left field. Thanks for hanging out in left field with us today. If you're interested in becoming a left fielder, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.leftfieldinvestors.com or you can send me an email, jim at leftfieldinvestors.com. Thank you for listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. If you enjoy the show, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review the show. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing said on the show should be considered financial advice. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Passive Investing from Left Field and Left Field Investors. Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.